Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and it's just the two of us, but we're going to make it just fine. We're going to make it if we try, as I like to say sometimes when it's just the two of us, and that's the stuff you should know. I'm excited about this episode because this is a really, really great story that doesn't have, like, uh, I was I kept waiting for something either bad to happen or someone to be exposed as awful uh, and it's just a really fun, feel-good story, right? I would go so far as to call it a humdinger. It's a humdinger, and uh, we got to give huge credit to to uh, Ed, who helped us with this, and also uh, because he helped Ed, who helped us, Ken yes. Burns. Yeah. Uh, Ken Burns has a great documentary about this topic, uh, which is the first cross-country automobile road trip. It's called Horatio's Drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful story, and you can find it on PBS. Hopefully, if you're a, a streamer, you pay for it and subscribe to the PBS app because it's a very worthwhile and great uh, channel to subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrated by the great Keith David, one of the great, yeah, great voices. Just amazing. And such a great actor, too. Great And everything actor. from They Live to Men at Work to um, There's Something About Mary. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was in Platoon, too. He's, like, just such a great actor. Love that guy. And uh, because our protagonist in this story, uh, who we'll introduce you to in a second, is such an affable, seemingly really good guy, they got none other than Tom Hanks to recreate his voice for totally. his uh, diary letters and stuff like that. We should also give a hat tip to Dayton Duncan, who's uh, interviewed extensively in that um, that documentary because he wrote a book on on the drive. I believe I would argue the book. Yeah, let's you know? just call it that the book <laughs> on Horatio Nelson Jackson, right? Yeah, that's his name. Great name. So we're going to talk a lot more about him later, but we really kind of want to like lay the groundwork, bring the context. As Flavor Flav would put it. Um, <laughs> and just uh, kind of give you an idea of what the, the times were like when Horatio Nelson Jackson decided to become the first person to travel cross-country in a car. Right. So 1903, 911 was a joke. You like that one? It's okay. All right. 
Just a medium okay on that one. I'll take it. Uh, 1903 is when this happened, but to put this in context, like you said, uh, the the first transcontinental railroad was built and completed, uh, or not built, but completed in 1869. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, 1876 when you got your first cross-country train trip that happened. Mm -hmm. So this was, uh, what, like 25-ish years roughly after that. Uh, and people were still kind of only traveling by train because cars were pretty new and they were only for richies because I believe uh, in the documentary, they said like the cheapest car you could get would cost more than the average American made in a year. Mm -hmm. So in the early 1900s, it was rich people who wanted to buy a super expensive, unique toy mm -hmm. that, and, and we'll hammer this home a lot, but that they didn't even know was going to end up being a real thing. Yeah, it could have turned out like the Segway. <laughs> totally right. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of akin to somebody taking a, 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 a trek across America on a Segway back in, like, 1995. Yeah, they, they did not know car. Like, a lot of people thought, these cars will never amount to anything. You're silly. It'll always be trains and horses. Right. So um, to kind of get across why people thought it was just going to be nothing but trains and horses, like that's how the American infrastructure was built. Like if you went f uh, any, any kind of lengthy distance, you took a train. If you were moving around locally, you took a horse, maybe a horse and a buggy or a horse and carriage or something like that. Stagecoach. And you kind of drive at home. Sure, if you wanted to be super wild west about it. Yeah. But there were at the time, say around 1900, the United States had 2.3 million miles of roads. Sounds Pretty like impressive. Lot. Yeah. 150 miles were paved. Right. And all of those were within big cities, right? So the the vast 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 majority of roads in the United States were rough, rutted, um, dusty or muddy or somehow both at the same time. <laughs> uh, roads that you would not want to walk over, really, let alone ride a car over. Yeah, they were in bad shape, generally. Uh, about 14 million horses in the United States to about 8,000 cars. And like you said, people traveled locally. I think the average was like people generally didn't go more than 12 miles from their house. Mm. And that even feels like the high end. I don't think that's an average. I think people probably didn't go within a, a few miles of their house. Yeah. Like I mean, me at the, today, unless I'm at, traveling. <laughs> right. At the time, there were, and you still take trains for long-distance travel sometimes, and I too. try to. Um, at the time, also, like, it, you, you didn't really steer away from home because it took you so long to go anywhere on horse, right? I think at the time, it was still a two-day journey, basically, from New York to Philadelphia. By horse. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is like a this is a this is a big deal for, for somebody to be like, no, I'm going to try this. The other thing was the the roads themselves weren't mapped. Yeah. I mean, east of the Mississippi, there were maps and guidebooks that you could get pretty good directions from. Right. And it's it's funny in the um, documentary. They kind of show I what the, the directions were like. <laughs> it was and so cool. One of them's like turn right at the old stone uh, horse trough. Yeah. Like, those were the kind of directions, and because that's what a local would tell you to do. So somebody had the bright idea to print those and put them down in, a, in book form 
and transmit that information that way. And it still held up because there were no road names. There were no route numbers. There was nothing like that because there was no reason for anything like that to exist. Yeah. And funny enough, that's how I prefer directions now because I'm very directionally challenged and um, famously so. Mm-hmm. And I also never know the names of roads. So mm-hmm. I, I always ask people, like, tell me, you know, go to that diner that, you know, and take a left and then go to that car wash and veer right. <laughs> and that's how I prefer to get directions. I uh, I um, tend to zone out when people give me directions me that I've asked for. And uh, you can just kind of see it on their face that uh-huh. they can tell I'm going to get lost because it's just not sinking in. Well, all the fun of that is gone now because you just punch it into your app or whatever. But totally, um, I'm basically talking about pre-GPS uh, stuff. I remember. I remember. I'm old you enough remember to remember things. that. I am also smart enough to really appreciate ways, though, too, you know. Do you remember the fun of a road trip of opening that uh, Rand McNally Atlas? Mm-hmm. And saying, like, I think we can go this way to get to this town, or it looks like this other road we can go around. That was like, and I'm not like, oh, things were so much better when it was harder, but it was a really, had a fun sort of magical, um, adventuresome quality to it, I think. Yeah, I um, spent five weeks in a van driving around the western United States doing that. Same Same thing. It was very cool. And, like, the amount of freedom is really hard to get across of, like, yeah. Not having anywhere you had to be at any particular time and yes. saying like, oh, that that landmark sounds pretty cool. I'm going to go see that. It's pretty neat. You know what words you don't hear anymore what? is let's go here instead. <laughs> it's true. Everything seems so locked down, you know. It's like, I don't know. People don't say, oh, no, let's just uh, let's decide to go to this town instead of this town. I feel like we've entered the disgruntled, aged, old men oh, era of no. stuff you should know. Because <laughs> I, it seems like we do this almost every episode, dude. Yeah, maybe. We're going to have to pay more attention to that or else we're going to lose all the youngsters and just attract all the oldsters. And who cares? Well, hey, youngster, I encourage you to set out on a road trip with a map and, and enjoy it. Okay, there you go. Way to save it. I don't think I saved anything. <laughs> so uh, I think we've gotten across that it would be really hard to drive a car, right? Yeah. Across hard. the United States at the time. Yeah, hard to drive a car, but because cars were becoming a little more popular, uh, they were trying to get a more positive publicity going for their cars and their companies. And so they said, hey, what a great way to do this than like kind of sponsor a cross-country car tri- uh, trip that'll get a lot of press. Mm-hmm. And so they tried this. With uh, John and Louise Davis uh, from the, how do you pronounce that car? Um, Duria. It sounds like something you contract that you'd be really unhappy about. Okay, the Duria, I, I couldn't quite tell, but yeah, it does sound like a disease of some sort. D-U-R-Y-E-A. Yeah, the Duria Car Company gave them um, a national, or I'm sorry, they weren't a car company. That was the car. The company was the National Motor Carriage Company. Yeah, known today as the NMCC. Oh, really? I'm just kidding. I thought you were going to say as Porsche. No, I I would like to think that, but no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Um, So they sponsored this couple. It was in 1899. It did not work out. Uh, They very famously got beaten to, uh, they started from New York, and they got beaten to Syracuse by a one-armed bicyclist (laughs) who gave them a 10-day head start. So press, it went opposite of how they wanted to. That was sort of, they lost track uh, or lost interest very early on in this sort of doomed thing. And I don't think they 
even know if they succeeded in getting to San Francisco. Well, I think they know they didn't, but they basically didn't really cover the story after that. No, they drop off the map um, after about Chicago. They dropped off the GPS app. Sorry. So no, it's good. <laughs> it just took me a second to to for it to sink in. I thought that was pretty good. I'm trying to get our younger listeners back. <laughs> so, um, well, we should make a TikTok of all this then. Okay, isn't that what people do? Sure. For you now, until the I'll U.S. government ban. <laughs> 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 that was wonderful. You All just right. saved me. Thank you. Um, so the it was established though, even though the Davises didn't make it, that like oh, this is actually a really good way to 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 promote a car brand is yeah. to be the first to make it across the country. I mean, then everyone will know that's a good car because it's just so ridiculous to even think a car could do that. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years after the Davises, I guess 1901, a car maker named Alexander Winton, um, who had a Winton car company handmade cars beautiful cars yeah um he uh he tried it himself i believe with his publicist very smartly (laughs) he and his publicist hit the road um the acid hit them around barstow i think the bat showed up (laughs) and they ended up getting trapped in a dune in nevada yeah but you you bring up a, a thing that might be overlooked is they very smartly started from west to east Mm-hmm. Because, as we mentioned, the West was untamed land and bad, bad, bad roads if there were any at all. So getting that hard part over first when the car was brand spanking new mm-hmm. was really, really smart. But what they didn't count on was, uh, and we'll see what Jackson learned, was driving through the desert in an old car like that is not good. Uh, sand is not good for um, getting stuck, it's not, or it's great for getting stuck. Sure. Uh, it's not good for making good time. Sand is not good for getting in carburetors and in oil and gas. And, you know, it, it, these engines weren't these big closed systems like they are today. So sand, no good. But Winton got this press, right? Like, like it, he, it helped, I think, still publicize his car company regardless. And again, the fact that no one had done this, but people were starting to try it, it kept being a thing. It was going to be a thing until somebody did it. And so a couple of years after Winton tried, a guy named Horatio Nelson Jackson, who's the star of our story, um, was hanging out at the University Club of San Francisco. And apparently a couple of uh, fellow club members were saying that cars were basically useless and that they would never really go anywhere and there's no reason for anybody to have one. Jackson, by this time, had really developed a real love of cars, had started collecting them even. Yeah. And I guess to defend cars' honor, he slapped down a $50 wager that he could make it across the United States from San Francisco to New York in less than 90 days, 90 days or less, I'm sorry. And um, that was about $1,500 that he threw down on the table right then. And the people took it. They accepted his wager. And four days later, he set out for New York from San Francisco. It is madness to think about that he did this (laughs) with that little planning. He didn't have a car to do it. I mean, he had cars, but not one to go across country at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just quickly about Jackson. He was a doctor who uh, got tuberculosis and quit his practice uh, kind of at the same time that he married a very wealthy a uh, woman named Bertha Richardson Wells, very new, uh, wealthy New England family from uh, Vermont. She, uh, her family made their money in celery compounds. I know, it was like a, a tonic. Yeah. Basically. So he, as Ed put, uh, did rich guy things, capital R, capital G. 
And uh, his wife was super supportive. Like everyone mm-hmm. was on board. She was like, that's awesome. I'll I'll take a train to Burlington. I'll meet you over there, honey. You have my blessing. Uh, and it seems like they had a really, like judging from the letters that, that and of course it was voiced by Tom Hanks too, so you're endeared immediately. <laughs> but uh, judging from the letters, it seems like they were just a great couple, a very loving family. Um, he called her Swipes. No one knows why that nickname was there, but he... You know, he signed it as Nelson and your yours forever, Nelson, and mm-hmm. my dearest swipes. And it was really, really sort of a beautiful story of this couple. And uh, he knew he had to get a guide to go with him. And so he picked a great traveling partner. Uh, he was a, a small engine mechanic in a factory named Sewell Crocker, great who man. was about 10 years younger. He's 22 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what was Horatio? It was like 31, 31. or 32? Okay. Mm-hmm. So this guy could fix cars. He knew cars. And apparently, like, they really liked each other and were, <laughs> which was a big deal. You know, you've been on road trips in regular cars. Yeah. And that's a key factor. But especially back then with all the troubles they were going to have, you had to have someone that you could get along with. That's a big one for sure. So he asked Crocker, hey, man, what car should we get for this? And Crocker said, well, you have basically limitless funds. Get the best. <laughs> Buy yourself a 1903 Winton Touring Car. And Mm -hmm. Ed points something out that I think is very astute. The reason why probably Sewell Crocker said get a Winton was because Winton had already shown that they were making really good cars enough so that they were willing to try to make it across country in one of them. So uh, that's exactly what um, Jackson did, Horatio did. He's the kind of guy you call him by his first name because he's got a great first name and he's Tom Hanks-like affable, right? (laughs) Yeah. So um, so Horatio bought himself a, a Winton touring car in 1903. Apparently, he paid essentially $100,000 for it. And it was used. Yeah, it was used, um, but it was the only one available. Yeah. So he just paid whatever the person wanted for it. Um, and so uh, I think at, at, in uh, $1903, he paid $3,000. But he named it the Vermont because mm-hmm. that's where he and his wife Bertha lived. But a little bit about this car. There was it was an it was open in every sense of the word. It was yeah. like if you took a tub um and put wheels on it <laughs> and then had a steering wheel sticking out of it, that that was the car. There was no windshield, there was no roof, there was no back windshield, there were no doors, there was no nothing. It looked kind of like a, a a giant riding lawnmower with like wagon wheels. Well, it's funny that you bring up riding lawnmowers, Chuck, because um, the two-cylinder chain drive engine had 20 horsepower, Mm -hmm. and my friend, a John Deere X300 series riding mower has 22 (laughs) horsepower. That's funny. Uh, That's really funny. This this thing topped out at 30 miles per hour. I don't think the John Deere does that, but that's probably just because it's cutting grass at the same time. But imagine... Imagine traveling the country on a riding lawnmower, basically. Yeah. That's about what they were doing. But yes, you're right. 30 miles an hour is, is substantially more. That's what it, it could do max. Yeah, the, yeah, in yeah. no way did they average 30 miles an no, hour. No, not even close. It was um, someone, uh, it, was, it was red, a really good looking car. You'll only see black and whites, but someone on Reddit, um, that, that's the picture I sent you, did a very mm-hmm. fun colorized picture. Mm-hmm. of uh, Horatio and Crocker and a, a third party to be named later um, and colorized it. And it just, it looks awesome. And this car is so cool looking. Yeah, I don't mean to detract from it. It was no, a cool looking car. Very but cool. As far as comfort 
uh, goes, it was not at all comfortable. No. I say we take a break and then set out on the road trip with these guys, huh? Oh, let's do it. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So as we will see, there were other car manufacturers uh, planning to do the same thing at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of them ended up, you know, it ended up sort of being a race against like a corporation versus uh, a human, um, even though he was driving, a, you know, it's not like a car he built himself. It was a Winton. Right. But he was doing it himself with this other guy. He wasn't for fun. He wasn't sponsored. It was about the spirit of adventure. Mm-hmm. He, all these, as we'll see, all these other companies sent like supplies ahead and they, like they had teams of mechanics. He didn't have anything to prove. 
He, he put this together in four days, including buying the car. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I really want to get across the spirit of this whole thing was just this optimist who was like, let me see if I can do this crazy thing. Yeah. So two months after um, Horatio and um, Sewell set out on their trip, uh, Packard sent a team out. And like you said, they were very well outfitted. They had a mechanic on board. There was gasoline for them at every stop um, because gasoline was, there were no gas stations. And definitely there were no gas stations out west. You would go to the general store and be like, I'd like a can of your most dangerous volatile liquid, please. (laughs) And they would hand you some gasoline in a can, and you'd buy a few of them to drive around with. It was incredibly dangerous. But that's how you didn't run out of gas. Packard had the advantage of, like, every town or every X number of miles, there was gasoline waiting for them. So they essentially had gas stations that were reserved exclusively for them. Um, Horatio and, and Sewell did not have anything remotely like that. And so they got into all sorts of fun little adventures, like the time that Sewell Crocker had to um, bike dozens of miles on a yeah. borrowed bicycle to go to to and fro to fill up their gas can and bring it back and yeah. then fill it up again and then bring it back. And um, it That's must why he have was been, there. <laughs> right, exactly. And it, it's fun now, in retrospect, us talking about it here in 2023 in the studio. I'm sure it was not a great day for, for Sewell Crocker. No, I don't think they were drawing straws, though. You know what I mean? Like, right. the rich 31-year-old with, that had TB is uh, definitely saying, all right, hit, hit the road on the bike, yeah. my, my friend. Yeah, we're equals in almost every way. <laughs> but hit the trail on the bike. Right. Uh, all right, so Packard did so uh, two months later, like he said, and Oldsmobile did the same thing a month after that, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Much the same operation, you know, fully sponsored and, like, rigged up and everything. So uh, they... Tore out the back seat on this Winton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we mentioned this thing uh, could go 250 miles with their uh, tank of fuel, which That's was way more impressive. than I thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was super impressed. Um, so they ripped out the back seat, which doesn't look like it was much of one anyway, and packed, you know, a cooking kit, um, tons of rope, uh, something that would probably be the most valuable thing in the whole uh, car was. Uh, a pulley system, a block and tackle. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they had a Kodak camera. They had sleeping bags. They had a shovel and axe. They had a bunch of guns and ammunition because <laughs> yeah. they might be hunting for food out in the middle of nowhere or just maybe want to murder someone. Yeah, or just like shooting out of a, a untopped car is probably pretty fun when no one's around. I bet that is fun. So, yeah, the, the problem is, is like they weren't experts at tying down their gear yeah, And they would get to, like, a stop probably basically every day and find that something they needed had dropped off at some, out. <laughs> some point, like, back on, on their trail and that they had gone too far to go back to try to, to find it. It's really So funny. they lost, like, cooking utensils. Horatio lost multiple pairs of his eyeglasses. Um, it's just crazy to me that they weren't, like, put a tarp on it right. and wrap the tarp <laughs> up and then put rope on the tarp, you know? Yeah. Who knows? But, um... They did lose a lot of stuff, and luckily, like you said, they didn't lose that block and tackle. It would really come into into um, play multiple times. But they they made a really good decision early on. Number one, they followed um, I can't remember his first name, but Mr. Winton's Alexander Winton's example, uh-huh. and started out west. So what they would be doing is getting the hardest part of the trip out of the way first, while the car had very few miles on it, right? 
Yeah, which was a you know a, a nice little copy, but uh, then they made a really really great decision, and I think mm-hmm. the decision that frankly made them a success in the end. Mm-hmm. Did I just spoil it? I guess we talked about what a great story it was. It wouldn't be great if they conked out in Michigan. True, true. But they decided to go at hundreds of miles to their trip mm-hmm. by not just taking a right and going across the country, but going north up through Oregon to avoid that Nevada desert. And that, my friend, even though there was some treacherous mountains that they had to go through, mm-hmm. avoiding that desert, I think, is what ultimately made them successful. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of miles added to the trip. But it was incredibly smart because, again, Winton had bottomed out in that sand. That sand wasn't going anywhere. At the very least, there were wagon trails and stuff up in Oregon. Um, and they were able to kind of make their way along these the railroad tracks that were there. So there were railroad right-of-ways, which is the land cleared on either side of a railroad track. And they would drive on those, or if they had to, drive on the railway themselves. And yeah. they would they would ride on railroad bridges in a car that could go 30 miles per hour max. Yeah. And hope to God that there wasn't a train that was going to come. And I was like, man, I'm so glad I watched Stand By Me a couple of days ago. I was just about to bring that up. I know you watched it. It's such a great part of that movie. And yeah. I, I was telling you, like, that was a masterpiece. Like, yeah. that is Rob Reiner's masterpiece. And he's made some such pretty great movie. movies. But it is exponentially better than I even remembered as a kid. I'll throw Spinal Tap in there, but I know. Yeah, have you still not seen that? That's what I'm saying. No, it's great. That's okay. a great movie. But I think When Harry Met Sally is a great movie. Like, uh-huh. there's tons of great movies Rob Reiner's made. But I think Stand By Me might be the best. Yeah, it's a great movie. I love the, that scene when he uh, they put their hands on the rail. Yeah. And it just gets real quiet, and they're listening. Yeah. They're like, do you feel any vibration at all? And that's yep. probably what these guys were doing. I'm sure. But they were doing it bumping along in their open car. Yeah. Also, shout out, I don't know if Will Wheaton still listens to us. I know he used to, but man, all of those kids did a great, great yeah. um, job. But he really did a, a magnificent job acting in that movie. So way to go, Wheaton, Totally you're listening. Great movie. I love it. I'm going to watch it too now. You're talking about it in Vegas. It made me nostalgic for it, for sure. All right. Um, all right. So we are at uh, leave time, which was May 23rd, 1903. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Saturday. Apparently, it was a, a hot spring in California, and uh, it rained that afternoon, and they took off from San Francisco and very quickly blew a tire out. It was like Romeo and Michelle. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? And uh, the, the Chronicle uh, in San Francisco wasn't even covering it, basically. The San Francisco Examiner had a very short little piece about it, about a horseless carriage going from sea to sea. But it it would build, as you will see uh, with the press, as things went along. Uh, but it wasn't well covered at first. And this the tire thing, it was an issue. I mean, the car tires at the time would routinely blow out. Uh, they had a hard time on the trip finding new tubes. Mm-hmm. They would stock up on used tubes whenever they went to a town. It seemed like that had any kind of tubes. They would just buy them. Right. Give me all your tubes. Yeah, and it was it was a um, tires were an issue. That would seem like one of the main issues. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because I mean, you can imagine there's not people selling car tires because there were so few cars. And out west, they kept encountering people who had never seen a car. Yeah, I saw um, mention of that Packard team that was riding 
I think Tom Fetch was the Packard guy who was driving the car. And they pull into one town uh, that where a murder had just been committed. And so few people had seen a car in that town that everybody left the fresh murder scene, including the sheriff, to come look at the car that had just <laughs> rolled into town. Like, that was, like, what it was like out west at the time. So, of course, you weren't going to find car tires easily. You had to improvise any way you could. Sure, and a, and a murdered body out there back then was a dime a dozen. Dime a dozen, yeah. It's not going anywhere. That's right. Let's go check out that new car. <laughs> yeah, it's not going anywhere. So they're going uh, uh, east. They're going through some uh, treacherous terrain. They're going through mm-hmm. the Cascade Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's fun in the documentary to hear the the diary or, or letters uh, home to his wife, where he was talking about you know the roads that are uh, basically big enough for one car because I can't remember exactly how I said it, but like because nature has made it that way basically like. <laughs> It's a cliffside on the side of a mountain, so oh, man. Uh, luckily, you know, they're having to share the road with stagecoaches and horses and stuff like that, not really any other cars probably. Mm-hmm. But they would, it was what you would think. They were constantly getting stuck, constantly blowing tires. They, I think uh, the record was 18 times in a day they had to use that block and tackle to pull themselves out of a ditch or a river or a mud hole. That must have been the suckiest day ever. Yeah, and then the maps were an issue too, right? Yeah, they would have to rely on locals for directions. Some when they could find locals, a lot of times they just had to guess. Um, I saw again that Packard team. Sorry to keep bringing them up. I know they're not what the story's about, but they learned to avoid the nicest roads because out west that usually meant that it just dead ended in some rich person's house. Mm-hmm. And um, when you could find locals. They would sometimes just literally misguide you. There was one that Horatio and Sewell ran across, a woman on horseback, who told them to get to the next town they should go down this road. And it dead-ended in her family's farm. It was her driveway, and, basically. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they came back the way they went and ran across her again. They're like, why did you do that? And she's like, oh, my dad and mom and, and husband would have wanted to see a car. They'd never seen a car before. Well, so she purposefully sent them the wrong way down a dead end, miles down a dead end, yeah. apparently, too. And I did not hear that they had gotten angry with her or cross even. I think they probably just said, like, good day to you, madam, and and kept on. They should have said, you don't know this yet, but one day giving directions will be very important, and this will not be cool. (laughs) This is not going to reflect good on your family, (laughs) Tina Manson. (laughs) Did you like that? (laughs) Tina. I just love Tina. It was so not a name back then. (laughs) Tina Manson. I love it. Great choice. Uh, the breaks were kind of what you would imagine. They weren't great. So it was quite thrilling when they would get on these downhill runs and there wasn't a lot you could do about it. Uh, the clutch went out a lot. I mean, I, you know, we talked about our, our various van journeys out west. We were in a Volkswagen van for mine. Mm-hmm. And the mountains killed it. Like, we had to, to get a rental uh, Jeep Cherokee in Nevada mm-hmm. for the whole second half of the trip because— Going through the mountains literally killed his, and it wasn't like uh, a brand new VW van. It wasn't one of the old ones, but it was like the Vanagon. Mm-hmm. But like it drove us from Atlanta to the mountains just fine, and the mountains killed it. So imagine what the mountains did to the clutch system on this, you know, lawnmower, basically. Yeah, I have to admit, until today, I did not know what a clutch did. I knew that the clutch was the thing you push in to shift gears. Never uh-huh. understood why. 
The reason why you push in is because you actually want to stop the clutch from working temporarily. Yeah. What the clutch does is it transmits the motor power or the motor's torque to the transmission, which in turn turns the axle to the the tires, the wheels, right? That's my understanding of it. And when you're pressing in the clutch, what you're really doing is keeping that that transfer from taking place so that you can go into another gear and then you let the clutch out and that transfer begins again. So yes, the clutch is an extremely <laughs> important instrument. The car does not go without it. And apparently Sewell Crocker had to fix that thing almost as many times as they used the block and tackle to pull themselves out of mud. Well, he was worth his weight, wasn't he? Oh, boy. Yeah, he was. Uh, they did have one modification they made, uh, like, on on the way there, is they added a, a headlamp, an acetylene headlamp, so they could drive at night because mm-hmm. they wanted to make up time, you know, because there were times when they uh, had to go to a town and wait for, I think one of them was like three or four days where they're waiting, ironically, for a stagecoach to show up with parts that they had ordered. There were times when... A stagecoach or a guy on a horse would pull them out, ironically, again. Yeah, and I didn't get the impression that um, that Horatio was trying to prove that horses were obsolete. No, but I don't think so it, at all. I think he still saw it as pretty ironic that he still relied on horses in this horseless carriage. Yeah, I don't think he threw shade. Um, even when blacksmiths would make repairs, uh, they pointed out in the documentary that, I think it was in one of his letters, he, he said it like the irony wasn't lost on him, but I don't mm-hmm. think he was like, you're not going to have a job in a few years, sucker. <laughs> right. Right. That's what Segway Maker said to people on foot. <laughs> Didn't the inventor of the Segway drive off a cliff on a Segway? Oh, that sounds like an urban legend, but Is maybe, maybe one that's just crazy enough to be true. I'll have to look that up. Should we take a break? Yes, we'll, look, we'll take a break and look that up. All right, we'll be back here with the truth right after this. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, 
as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. And Chuck, it's true. BBC News says it. Yeah. Wow. Jimmy Heseldin was 62 when he rode off a cliff on his company's segways. They killed him, obviously? Yes, in West Yorkshire. That's sad. Yeah, it is sad for sure, but my God, that's quite a legend. It is. It's like Fabio getting hit in the face with a duck on a roller coaster. What? No, you know that. No? Fabio on a roller coaster... A duck flew across his path and hit him in the face. And killed him? No, no, no. Oh, okay. But it's uh, it's one of these pictures on the internet where you're like, oh, that's got to be fake. And it's and it really happened. Poor Fabio. I know. I feel bad yeah. for the guy. But it was also like, of all the people to get for this to happen to, it was just, it was pretty rich. Yeah, I can imagine. What, what, what is he a jerk? Does no, he no, see, no. Is he? Okay. But he's Fabio, and like you know, that kind of stuff doesn't happen to Fabio. That stuff no, happens to me for sure, and me too. Totally with you on that. Did you look up that picture? I'm watching the video right now. <laughs> I can't not, Chuck. Maybe oh, we'll have a, a, an episode someday where we just tell each other internet memes, and the other one will look right. it up and then react <laughs> on on Mike, and that's how we'll do it. Okay, yeah, stuff stuff you shouldn't uh, couldn't care less about will be yeah. the name of that new show. Stuff you really probably shouldn't bother listening to. All right, so let's pick up with the trip. Uh, it, it sounds like we're painting, and Ed, I'm glad he pointed this out. It sounds like we're painting a picture of an awful time because of all of the delays mm-hmm. and all of the things that happened. They knew what they were in for with this. They didn't think it was going to be a pleasure cruise. It it was also a great, fun adventure. Like, these guys were having a great time. They were seeing things that few people had ever even seen in person before, uh, even by horse at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had no schedule. I mean, they were trying to beat this 90-day thing. But, like, I get the feeling he really just wanted to finish the trip. So, you know, he had money. They were staying in hotels. They were staying with people along the way who mm-hmm. opened their homes to them. Mm-hmm. They were driving about two hours at a time. And it seemed like they were they were having fun at the same time. I have that same impression, too, for sure. And plus, don't forget, Sewell Crocker was making some pretty good money, too. Yeah, well, I didn't find that. What was he getting paid? 
I didn't see either, but we can go ahead and say um, at the end they tallied up how much Horatio Jackson spent on the trip. Mm-hmm. And this included Crocker's pay. It was about eight grand back in 1903, which is uh, 267 grand today. That's so much money. So if you think about it, um, hotels, food, supplies, gas, repairs, car parts, repairs, that still leaves a pretty decent amount for Sewell Crocker. And I hope he got a big chunk of that. I hope so too. Chuck, I cannot for the love of life find the stupid picture of Fabio getting hit in the face. I found some ABC report and it just shows him going into the the um, roller coaster station after the ride and his face is all bloody and he looks really upset, but nothing about the actual hit. You know, I wonder if I what I saw was a faked recreation of that and there is only a before mm. and an after. That would make sense that it looked Photoshopped then. I'm sorry, I just had to had to circle back on that because my disappointment was palpable. Oh, boy. Um, so they're making their way out west, or I'm sorry, back east. And uh, it's funny, they say back east, out west, mm-hmm. up north, down south. So they're back, they're heading back east, uh, and they come to Idaho. Mm-hmm. When I mentioned a third party in that photograph. Mm-hmm. We were holding out for this big surprise in Caldwell, Idaho. They left without Jackson's coat, turned back to go get it, and this guy said, here, I have this pit bull named Bud, and he wants to go with you and be your mascot. And they said, hop aboard, Bud, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they have this beautiful white pit bull in between the two of them. Yeah, he's routinely described as a bulldog, but he's pretty clearly a pit bull for He's sure. a pity, and he's beautiful and like... If this story couldn't get any better, now you have a pit bull in between you, and they made him doggles to protect his little eyes, and there's a wonderful photo of it in the documentary. Yeah, so they were, you know, like you said, they were getting press as they went from town to town, and they were like, oh, my God, a car. There's people actually trying to use it to cross the the United States in that car. When Bud joined, it people just went berserk over this whole thing. Um be, in part because he was wearing these goggles, but also he very quickly learned how to ride in the car. He would uh-huh. look ahead. He loved it. To, to look for ruts or bumps or whatever and would, like, brace himself. Like, he's, he just took to it very easily and became, like, this great mascot. Um, so everybody started to really find out about this when, when Bud joined. And I don't get the impression that Sewell or Horatio were the least bit jealous. No. Uh, he paid him $15, which is $500 mm-hmm. today for this dog. And Crocker said, hey, adopt, don't shop. And Jackson said, what does that mean? Right. And he said, no, don't worry about it. That comes sure. later. Right. So they're getting all this press, thanks to Bud. Uh, they um, make their way through sort of that toughest stretch of terrain. They're running out of food. They finally sort of cross out of the mountains mm-hmm. and... They're like, all right, that was sort of it. Like, we think this is, um, not literally, but this is sort of downhill from here. And he, in his letters, he was saying, I've, I've never felt more confident now that we're going to make it to New York. And this is when they were in, like, Wyoming. Yeah, and then once they got to Omaha, it really got easier. And then after Omaha, Chicago, and then after Chicago, probably Cleveland or something like that, maybe in, in Indianapolis in between. Like, the, the, the city after city just started to pop up, and they were getting closer and closer. And there were much better roads. The railroad right-of-ways were just beautiful, sitting there for the picking. It's flat. And they started to really, yeah, they started to really make some pretty good time. 
Yeah, I think, uh, how many miles did they top out at in a day? I feel like it was like 70-something, which is not too bad. I don't remember, actually. I think in the documentary said 70, 70-something miles in a single day, like when they were kind of cruising, which that's that's awesome. That's a good time for that car. Yeah, that's not bad at all, especially considering it maxed out at 30 miles an hour. Yeah. So that was just like a two-and-a-half-hour day for them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, but that, that really does go to point out, like, just how slow they were going because of things like breaking down and waiting for parts and just the, the roads being terrible. And I mentioned Cleveland, too. They actually, um, when they showed up in Cleveland, that's where the Winton Motor Carriage Company was located. And we didn't say, I don't think, that um, Winton had by this time heard about the whole trip and mm-hmm. that they were actually making pretty good headway, right? Yeah. So he got, he sort of officially offered to kind of sponsor them from that point on. Mm-hmm. And Jackson turned him down. He was like, yeah. no, I've got Packard and Oldsmobile behind me. And I, I don't want this to become like a corporate sponsored thing. Like we've made it this far. We can make it the rest of the way. And they did go by the factory and they got some fanfare. And I think they helped him out with fixing this car up and stuff. But they got free beer koozies. <laughs> exactly. Refrigerator magnets. And they were on their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they probably fixed the car up a little bit, but Winton was talking like, we'll have gas like every 100 miles for you kind of thing. We'll send a technician to ride along with you. I'm sure the idea of adding a third stranger or a stranger to this mix by this time was just unthinkable. So, yeah, yeah, they turned them down, but they made it through Cleveland. They made it all the way to Buffalo. It wasn't until Buffalo, New York, that they had their their worst wreck that they had, where all three of them, uh, Sewell... Horatio and Bud were ejected from the car because they hit something. Um, Bud. Horatio only mentions it as a hidden obstruction. So I'm not sure if he ever knew what it was, but none of them were injured and the car was okay. So they just kept on keeping on. So take us home. When did they, they pulled into Manhattan, didn't they? Finally, on July 26th at 4.30 a.m., 63 days, 12 hours and 30 minutes after they set out from San wow. Francisco... They made it to Manhattan, New York, and um, Horatio Nelson Jackson won his bet, which, by the way, he never collected on. Oh, I was curious about that. He didn't? Nope. What a stand-up guy. (laughs) Yeah, or he's like, I'm never going out west again. It's too long of a ride. (laughs) Uh, And there to greet him were throngs of press and journalists, Mm -hmm. uh, people from the Winton Car Company, and Swipes. The old girl herself right there. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, I, I love that they had, like, a great relationship, and he had a great relationship with Sewell, and everybody loved Bud. And if you're wondering what happened to Bud, Bud lived out the rest of his days on the Jackson Farm in Vermont, amazing. in Burlington. And that's not so, a euphemism for, like, right. <laughs> he really got lost and died. Right. No, he really did live out his days there. That's great. Uh, Jackson went on to live a, a very interesting life after this, even. He had a number of businesses that he ran. Uh, he joined the military in World War One in his 40s mm-hmm. uh, and apparently became a decorated veteran. Probably collected tobacco baseball cards right. at the time. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, so he, I think he ran for governor and lost, governor of Vermont at one time and lost. I don't know how he lost. I don't know who in the world would vote for someone else other than this guy. Right. Uh, and donated that car, uh, the Vermont, to the Smithsonian. Which uh, and those doggles, uh, Ed has seen this in person. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have, even though I've been there. So 
or maybe I didn't. I just didn't know the story at the time. Maybe. It seems like you'd be able to recall a car like that. I don't know. I've been to a lot of museums. <laughs> so, seen, a, seen a lot of old cars. <laughs> right. Um, sadly, Sewell Crocker, he died young. He contracted an illness uh, and died in 1913. So Very he sad. was about 40, no, 30-something, early 30s. I think he was 31. He had been sent to um, Mexico, I think, to protect some land during the revolution there. Um, some, and he, the stress of it killed him, essentially, is how I saw it. Jeez, that's really sad. I know, it is. So that's really the only big sad thing that happened, aside from Bud getting ejected from the car in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> uh, a nice little cherry on top here that Ed found, too, was uh, six years after this trip, a woman named Alice Ramsey and three of her friends became the first woman and women to accomplish this same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were sponsored by Maxwell Briscoe, uh, an automaker, and they did the trip in 59 days in basically the same or maybe just barely slightly better conditions than uh, Jackson and uh, Crocker did it in. Mm-hmm. So uh, they they pulled it off, and they kind of encountered the same issues, and they got a lot of press at the time, and and obviously did a lot to advance, you know, the um, shine a light on uh, what women were capable of doing, which was driving a car through terrible circumstances for 59 days. Right, exactly. Also, despite being described as pretty in every single um, article that was oh, written sure. about them at the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, one other thing that was a kind of a note about this is that uh, 30 years after um, Horatio and Sewell and Bud made their trip, the record was set that stood for decades, 54 hours. So two and a half days, a guy named Erwin Cannonball Baker Who? made a famous run from New York <laughs> to L.A. And uh, I think about 40 years after that, in the early 70s, Car and Driver Magazine editor said, this Cannonball Baker guy, he deserves his own, his own place in history. So we're going to commemorate him with a recreation of his run. We're going to call it the Cannonball Run. That's right. And if you want to learn more about that, we was that a two-parter? It was just a no. one-parter. I think it was probably one of our 15-minute episodes. No, that was a good one. It was a good one. I'm just saying we good used to short. do them real short back then. I can't believe I just didn't talk that much back then that we could actually record an episode that was 15 minutes long. I think we probably talked for 15 minutes about Burt Reynolds. Probably. <laughs> probably. But that was probably the episode, too. Yeah, you're right. You got anything else? Uh, No. I don't either, which means it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this a short but sweet Amazon factoid. Okay. Uh, Hey, guys, about a quarter of the way in through the episode at the moment. um, The episode reminded me of our trip up the Amazon to, uh, I don't know, is it Manaus or Manaus? M-A-N-A-U-S? I think Manaus. Manaus? Uh, And back on a Viking ocean cruise. Mm -hmm. He said, surprisingly, ocean cruise ships can go that far, about a thousand miles. Who knew? Uh, on the cruise, though, our Amazon guy told us that uh, what I think is the greatest bit of trivia I've ever heard, uh, the volume of water leaving the mouth of the Amazon mm-hmm. is equal to the volume of water going over Niagara Falls, Victoria Falls. Uh, I'm going to do my best with my pronunciation on this falls in South America. I- Iguazu, perhaps? Very nice. Our South American listeners should write in and let us know. 
Right. So it is the volume of water leaving the mouth of the Amazon is equal to those three giant balls. Wow. Times 12. Wow. I was not expecting that extra little bit of math right there. I think that's what makes it amazing. That's from Rich Pope. Thanks, Rich Pope. Great name, too. Really gets it across. Rich Pope. (laughs) Yeah. Good to meet you. You know? Yeah. Agreed. Well, it's good to meet you, too, Rich Pope. And if you want to be like Rich Pope, you can email us as well. Send it off to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people... It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.